You're listening to Childrick. Welcome once again to my podcast. I am Childrick. This is episode 44. 44 majestic episodes. Glorious, majestic. Breaking news. Supreme Court rules 7-2 in favor of Colorado Baker who refused gay wedding cake. We talked about this a little bit um, before. And I got to tell you that my first impression of that case was that when you go into a supermarket or you go into a convenience store, pretty much any store that you go into, they have a sign that says, we refuse, we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. You see, they don't have to serve you. And I think it's funny because there are some people who, in this world, unfortunately, who have heard that in the, in the business and retail world, the, the rule of the customer is always right. And they've mistaken this for an actual law. That's what I think has happened here, is that there are some people, customers always right. That's not a law. That is just a training method, a method of interaction, uh, a rule of interaction with uh, people who are in the service industry. That's all it is. It's not law. And so the thing with, uh, when I first heard of this, I knew right away, I was like, this is not, you know, I mean, you would have to, if the court ruled any other way, they'd be creating a new law, a new law that stipulates that people uh, are, are legally required to facilitate anyone, which is completely the opposite of what the law states. You know, you, you can't be forced in a free society. You cannot be forced to sell something to someone that would be a form of coercion. The, the government would then be in the business of coercing people, coercing uh, transaction. No coercions. So the media has taken this and has used it to demonstrate their own bias. And they have called this court decision, which was a seven to two vote in favor of the Christian Baker, Jack Phillips. And I guess uh, several outlets have, have called this a narrow victory, a narrow win. AP has, has this on their Twitter, breaking. Supreme Court rules narrowly for Colorado Baker who wouldn't make same-sex wedding cake. So all I can say is, um, this isn't re a real issue. It never was, okay? And it was never really an issue. The issue was that, that a gay couple went out of their way to inconvenience a Christian Baker which was in a, the guy was located in a completely separate town. And then they drove 60 miles to go and, and do this to this baker, okay? Force, force this baker to bake them a cake. Force them. Can't do that. And, and the, the absurd part of this, because, you know, in, on, this, on this podcast, we are all about absurdity. We, be, we are here to be incensed by the absurdity. So in this particular case, they went out of their way to do, the, to do this to this Christian baker. They had passed up several, I think it was like five different bakeries on the way that could have made the cake, okay? They went to this guy in particular. So they singled him out. And I think it's funny. I think it's funny. So I guess my point is to the homosexual community is if you want special gay cakes, have a gay 
bake or bake it for you. What's wrong with you? I don't. For all of their, uh, you know, fashion sense and their creative sense and whatnot, they don't have any gays that bake these cakes, these decorative cakes. Nobody does the decorative cakes. Nobody has a cupcake shop. You're telling me that there's no gay cupcake shops. There's no gay cake shops. So you go out of your way to mess with this guy because he's a Christian. It's ridiculous. So the media, yeah, so the media is reporting it as, as a narrow win, but in fact, it was seven to two. So the media is a bunch of liars. That's, I think we all can agree on that conclusion. So in an odd twist, uh, there was a child trafficking camp or what appears to be a child trafficking camp discovered in Arizona. And lo and behold, this little camp is located on, a co- on property owned by a company called CMEX, which just happens to be a Clinton Foundation donor. What are the odds? What are the odds? This is the company that was, uh, they were a company that was enlisted by the Clinton Foundation after the uh, storms and, and earthquakes in Haiti to provide cook stoves, apparently. So I'll tell you what, this is an odd, this is an odd, it's pretty odd. So we just talked about the bias in the media, about the, the media calling a 7-2 to uh, Supreme Court ruling narrow. Now we have this story, which is once again, another, another in some other way is connected to Hillary Clinton or the Clinton Foundation. Okay. And here we have YouTube is removing footage from their platform of people finding this camp. Tracking? Are you tracking? You tracking with me? So the really, I mean, it's, it's not really shocking anymore. It's just piling up. The evidence of the Clinton misdeeds and their connections are piling up. And so this is one of those companies that had donated to the Clinton Foundation for Haiti, for relief in Haiti. And this is the money that the Clintons kept. The Clintons never passed the donations on to benefit the Haitian people. They kept the money. This is the money that was used to fund Chelsea Clinton's wedding. That's what it's believed. And I'm sure there's enough people that are saying it. uh, And I'm pretty sure I've seen that they've made that connection where there was. So in a subplot of that, Soros happens to own $41 million in CMEX stock. Okay. So. Hillary and Bill are indeed very, very crooked people. Speaking of Bill, so Bill Clinton has a meltdown on camera. Former President Bill Clinton was asked about Monica Lewinsky in a weekend interview with NBC reporter Craig Melvin. Clinton was asked if he ever apologized to Monica Lewinsky for their tryst in the Oval Office. And that's when. Clinton, Bill Clinton says, 
You are giving one side and omitting facts. So he goes on and talks about how he left uh, the White House $16 million in debt. I don't know how you have $16 million in debt. And he says that he's apologized to everyone in the world. And then Melvin, the guy interviewing Clinton says, but you didn't apologize to her. And then Bill says, I have not talked to her. And when asked if do you feel you owe her an apology? Clinton says, I do not. I have never talked to her, but I did say publicly on more than one occasion that I was sorry. That was, that's very different. The apology was public. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how far that goes. I mean, I'm not sure how, because like Bill, like just this weekend, same weekend, they, they find this alleged trafficking camp tied to the Clintons somehow, loosely, but still nonetheless. Now, I mean, the reason why I say it's tied to the Clintons, that the company that owns the property is obviously connected to the Clintons, but in a random world, okay, where all things are equal, what are the odds that the, the company that owns that land tied to this little camp and some unknown, uh, happenings there. It's not, it's not confirmed. Nothing's confirmed, but they do have quite a bit of evidence at the site that there was trafficking going on. But what are the odds that it is only one step away from the Clintons? I mean, it's a big country. It's a big country. There's small towns everywhere. This happens to be out in the middle of Arizona desert somewhere. So out of all of that land in, in, in Arizona, this just happens to be owned by a Clinton Foundation donor. Uh-huh. Right. You're not going to get out of this one. You're not going to escape this time. Tricky Bill. <laughs> Tricky Hillary. These, I, these headlines out of the Gateway Pundit are so hilarious. Because... Uh, so apparently there's more brawls happening in um, Portland. Antifa starts hurtling bottles at prayer protesters. A massive brawl breaks out. Yeah, at this point, um, I think that Portland, I think the people in Portland, if you, if you told a group of people that there was another group of people on the other side of the city that was having a get-together and that they should go there and interrupt it, they probably would, even if it was one of their own groups. They don't even know what they're doing. Like, none of these, none of these groups know what they're doing. It was Antifa. 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 It's pretty silly. Pretty silly. These people are silly. So apparently in my last episode, of course, I went after Nancy Pelosi because she keeps talking about, she keeps talking about how the jobs numbers are meaningless, bad for the middle class and how the tax, the tax credit, uh, the tax credits for workers are crumbs. Remember that people were getting $1,500 back, some of them $2,000 back on their taxes, a tax break, tax cut. They were getting, they were getting bonuses or whatever. Yeah. So anyways, she's like, these are crumbs. Apparently I'm not the only one who, who thinks that Nancy Pelosi's an idiot. James Wood pounds Pelosi into the dirt after she pans the latest job numbers as meaningless and bad for the middle class. Yeah. She's an idiot. She's an idiot. She's just some lush that's just been there way too long. You gotta go. 
Pink Floyd's Roger Waters sends support to Julian Assange at Berlin concert. Well, I didn't know Julian Assange was at the Berlin concert. <laughs> it, look, there's a whole core of that generation that if you give them a cause, they will, they will fight for the cause. It's any cause, to be honest with you. These people are just like, oh, we got to organize. We got to get together. It's like every cause is the new civil rights movement for these people. And they're like, we, and so every single person from that, that, from the sixties thinks that, yeah, they're like, we are going to champion the, the rights. We are going to champion the rights of someone who broke the law. It's, it's like, that's their mindset. Their mindset is as if that, oh my gosh, they're growing a certain kind of flower that is not indigenous on the other side of town. Let's go get your signs ready. Let's go. They're going to ruin our entire society. So they, they, they just pick up whatever cause there's laying around and they'll just go with it. And they use it to boost themselves. It doesn't have anything to do with helping others. It doesn't have to do with solving any injustices. It creates, they create more injustice than they solve. That's, that's why this, this Antifa garbage is, is so stupid to me. These are shills. Like, these people are paid, you know? And the dumb ones, the people that are because if you ask them, if they're being paid, they'll be like, well, no, no, I'm not paid. Well, then you're like really stupid because everybody else is getting paid. What are you doing? What a dummy. Everybody else got paid 300 bucks to be here. What are you doing? Uh, yeah, you could probably use that 300 bucks, huh? That's what I'm saying. Like, it'll pick up any cost. And so the dumbest ones are the ones that didn't get paid. That's, that's just the absurdity of that whole clown circus that they've got going. <laughs> they've revamped something from George Soros' childhood. And they're... <laughs> This guy is like, almost, he's got to be closing out on 100 years old. 100 years being an idiot. What a dummy. Yeah, we're going to take over. We're going to destroy the Western society. We're going to... No, you're not. Nope. Not going to happen. Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So apparently Oregon has legalized... Um, pot and now they can't find enough workers who can pass a drug test i'm pretty sure that we covered this before but i mean i've seen people normal people everyday people as soon as they legalize pot the next thing you know they're smoking all the time and they are not the same people that they were i'll just leave that here with you it doesn't work it's not for everyday use and you it causes more problems in society than it solves. It doesn't solve any problems. It just causes problems. So you got to stop legalizing a new set of problems. I mean, I know that like liberals, that's what they're known for. Because like everything that they do is this, is a cause. It's a cause. We have to make up a new cause so that people can get behind us and we can march forward into the future and make up new reasons to be the ones to be elected. It's like a, it's like a free-for-all. It's like a frenzy. They, oh, we got to come up with, yeah, well, my opponent doesn't support the rights of salamanders. So Chuck Schumer has been telling the media to cover up Spygate. I've done a little bit on this Spygate 
story. I've, I told you guys before that I didn't want to just like go through every little, every little tiny bit of information is after a while, it's just overwhelming. But here we've got Chuck Schumer finally trying to, uh, change the terminology that, that the media has been using. They don't want to, they don't want to call it Spygate because that, that's admitting that they placed a spot. So Mark Levin completely destroys his, his statement. So here's what Chuck Schumer said. Memo to the press. When you quote the president saying Spygate, it is only fair to immediately follow that by noting there is absolutely no evidence of a spy being inserted into his campaign. It seems to me failures to do so is a disservice to your readers, viewers, and the country. May 28th, 2018. Chuck Schumer. And so Mark Levin weighs in and pounds this guy into oblivion. The evidence is overwhelming that there was an informant involved in disseminating intelligence about the Trump campaign to the CIA and the FBI. Both the New York Times and the Washington Post reported it. The Daily Caller connected the dots and identified Stephen Halper, a Cambridge professor who, with ties to the CIA and the British intelligence agency MI6, as the informant. The argument over whether an informant is the same thing as a spy is semantics. Halper was tasked by the FBI to meet Trump campaign officials and report any evidence of Russian collusion. There is still no evidence so far. An individual who gathers intelligence and reports it sounds an awful lot like a spy. And I would tend to agree in this particular case because he wasn't reporting to his manager at McDonald's. Does that make sense? He's not reporting. He's reporting it directly to intelligence agents. That's a spy. That's a spy. Not only that, he's reporting and connected to multiple intelligence agencies, even foreign intelligence. That's a spy, not an informant. That's a spy. So they were spying on Trump and to call him an informant doesn't lessen the fact that they were spying and the guy was a spy. He may have informed the CIA and the FBI and, and MI6 in the course of his work as a spy. McDonald's, shake it, monster. He's not reporting to his manager at McDonald's. You know what I mean? He's not. And I'm saying McDonald's, but it could be any fast food restaurant. Okay, any fast. You pick a fast food restaurant. That's not who this guy was reporting to. He's not reporting to. His, uh, we've got some. Uh, look, I've got evidence that, the, that Trump is connected connected to Russia. Okay, that's a, that's great, uh, Halper. Uh, but we're gonna need some uh, help with the cash register. We're gonna need you to uh, drop those fryers. Okay. I'm gonna need two fryers. <laughs> But I got the goods, but I got the goods. Okay, now listen, uh, save it for your your 15 minute break. Save it for your 10. Save it for break. Yeah, no, this guy's, he's like reporting directly to CIA and FBI. Everybody knows it, everybody was reporting on it. So this is the problem that I have with what Schumer had said. Obviously the guy was a spy, number one. That's kind of a, that's obvious. Uh, but he's now writing memos. Like first it was Comey that was writing memos and leaking them to the press. And now Schumer is writing memos to the press just openly and, and, and adjusting what they are writing. Not, not, I mean, this is a government, this is exactly what the whole, uh, this is exactly what freedom of the press is supposed to keep from happening. Is a, is a person in government wielding his influence over the press and changing editing becoming their editor and turning their their dissemination of information into a weapon of propaganda and influencing them to do so 
And the funny part about it is, is that he prefaces the, the, the resultant disservice to their readers. He, pre- he says, it seems to me. That's, those are his words. It seems to me. Failure to do so is a disservice to your readers and viewers in the country. You are not an American if you refuse to do, to do what I am telling you. That's what Chuck's saying here. Like his literal words are, it seems to me. Government, senator, he's, he's part of the government. He's a senator. Like these people don't live in the same United States as everyone else. I mean, they do, but their, their version of the United States is not the actual version of the United States. See, their version is, I have no authority to... They don't really have any, they don't have much authority. They don't have the, they are constantly pushing that outer envelope of the outer scope of their office. It's a constant thing with people in elected office these days. They're constantly trying to do it. And that's why it gets confusing because they, they start talking about like when things are going wrong and they have all these investigations and this, you know, all these reports are coming out and oversight and all this other stuff is happening. And they're like, well, we really don't have any power to do anything about it. We can investigate it and put the findings out there, but we don't really have any power. And. A lot of that is, well, these are, a lot of that I think has to do with uh, the fact that they, they are looking at certain things that are so egregious that they're like, we really wish we had the power to do something about all of this information that we are investigating, that we're, we have oversight of, and we're actually discovering all of this information, wish we had something that we could do about it. And so the only way they could get that is to go back and actually write a law that, and change the rules and say, okay, yeah, you, you, you can subpoena people and, and force them to testify, and then not only can you force them to testify, but then if they screw up, then you can be like the FBI and charge them, indict them. It's ridiculous ridiculous but they're constantly they're constantly meeting that barrier of the scope of their authority and they don't like it because it limits them and and it and it, it's a it's a check and a balance it's meant to be there to limit the scope of their their interaction in government so that the power is a distributed system it's distributed in the system that we've that we have so our implementation of the, that f- fair distributed power structure in our government is probably one of the best ever in history. And it's so good that other countries have tried to be more like it. And in their quest to be more like the United States government, they've fallen victim into these traps of uh, scope of authority. They've fallen victim into, yeah, okay, so this group of people is elected, this group of people is appointed, they have a certain scope, and they can't exceed this scope, here's the boundaries. And when they get in there, they, they realize, well, we can go this far. Uh, our authority goes this far, but no further. But if we could go further, we could do this, this, and this. And they have a whole list of things that they could do. The EU is a prime example of it. Every one of those uh, people in the EU parliament is appointed, not elected. They're not representative of any people. They are, um, it's like a, it's a bureaucracy. It's a parliamentary bureaucracy, bureaucracy that is inserted underneath the governments of the states which it constitutes or which it represents. And so when they got in there and started, started uh, making up rules and making up laws and how, figuring out how they're going to conduct themselves, they quickly realized that they had no authority to do any of it. And they had less and less. Um, they, had, they had no authority to presume, put their laws, whatever laws they were passing, they couldn't put that on the people. So people weren't really legally bound to it. So now they're finding that they have these states that are non-compliant on a number of issues. Um, you've got Poland and others uh, in the region that won't accept any immigrants. 
illegal or otherwise. They just, they, they have their own thing going on and they're just like, no, we're not doing that. And so all the problems that, we're, that we hear about Europe is centered around all of these other countries that did accept all of these, they call them refugees, but they're, and I'm sure there are a number of refugees that were legitimate because Obama went in there and really made a huge mess of Syria. So they've got refugees all over the place. There's no question about that. But you've got a whole slave market that's opened up in Libya. It's just been passing people, boatloads of people, ship lo- ship, ships full of people into Europe unchecked. And now they've got people camping out on the streets. Camping out in tents or on a mattress, laying on a mattress in the streets of Paris. What? Why would you? Why would the French people do that to themselves? Why would the French government do that to themselves? All the fingers point back to Germany. Just a big pile of dumb ideas. Just stupid idiots get in there. Oh, okay, well. So this is what they're trying to do, is they're trying to emulate the, the power structure of the United States because they want to be, and they can't really hide their inclinations or their, their proclivities or their desire to be more like the United States and to be the best, to be number one, like the United States. This is what they're trying to do. They need these people in there, mix up all these people. And anytime that you hear this liberal phrasing, diversity is our strength, this, this is their belief system. This is part of their religion. They think that if you get a group of people together that is mixed from all different types of ethnic groups and so on, and then you mix them together and they intermarry and they have children, they create this master race. They create this master race of people. The, the dark ones become lighter. The, the light ones become darker. The green eyes become blue eyes. The, it, like, this is what they think. This is what they think. And they think that that gives them some type of superpower. Some type of superpower. So that's what they think the United States is. They think that the United States is this superpower because of this mix, this amalgamation of, of different peoples from all different ethnic backgrounds and national backgrounds that have come together on this continent and created this country, this union of states, this republic. And so, the, so this is the rest of the world trying to copy that. And the, it goes to show you motive. Their motive isn't to be like the United States in the respect of, of you know, the, it's not a flattering thing. It's not like, oh, we want to be more like them. They really, you know, they really got it going on. That's not what they're trying to, that's not what they're saying. What they're saying is, is that they want to be as powerful as the United States, but not beholden to anyone. They want to be the new United States. They want to replace the United States. See, that's what they're saying. That's what they're actually saying. And so that's why you see every time Trump does something, they're like, you'll see them kind of backbite him a little bit. Like, oh, well, we don't, uh, that's not, uh, we, we don't do that over here. Because that's not their agenda. Their agenda is to, is to overthrow the United States, to become the number one decision maker in the world. That's their goal. Going about it, they're going about it completely wrong, by the way. You're going about it completely wrong. Uh, and as far as, the, this is the funniest part, because as far as they're mixing this same prototype of amalgamation, uh, they're doing it by force, number one, which is not legal to do, uh, without consent of the people. Uh, so the people have every right to, to throw off these governments and just say, get out of here. They have every right to do it. And like places like France, this is what's astonishing to me, is like places in France, they wouldn't put up with that from anything near that from a king. They, they've, <laughs> they've gotten rid of kings for less than this. And yet they still have these, you know, oh, what a mess. 
You guys just made a big fat mess. That's all you did. So, so this whole idea of you building a master race, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You, you, you don't realize that you made a mistake yet in your planning and, and, your, your, and your, little, your little prototype that you were building. You haven't realized what the mistake is that you made. You didn't make a, you didn't make a people that's, <laughs> you didn't make a people that's stronger. You made a people that's weaker. <laughs> you, you dumbed down your people. You're, you're, you dumbed everything down. Like, like it, it, this is like a group of people who are like, we're the smart ones, so we're going we're gonna to be in charge. But these people, these smart ones are, just, are actually the dumbest ones. They're actually really stupid. And so, <laughs> this, so these liberal globalist elitist people that have been doing this, uh, yeah, I'm going to let you, I'm going to wait. I'm going to let you figure out what it is you did wrong because it's hilarious. It's something that you're not going to be able to undo. And, <laughs> and it's a mistake that completely thwarted what you were trying to accomplish. It's, a, it's I'll let it be a mystery because you'll think about it. I, I want you to think about it. Europe, I want you to, to, to meditate on yourself. Meditate on yourself. What, what did you just do that has weakened you completely? What did you just do that has made you weaker? See, they think that their GDPs and their economies are driven by large amounts of people. So they need a large amount of people. Like the United States has, you know, 350 million. Uh, and there's probably 500 million in North America. Somewhere around there, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's close. But the point is, is that they think that they need the people to generate the money. So they imported, <laughs> so Europe imported a bunch of these Africans to make more people so that they can have this huge population of people that over time will mix in with each other and become this prototype. But they've made a serious miscalculation. I'll, I'll, if you guys think about it, if you investigate it and you think about it, you will come to the same conclusion and you will realize that they screwed themselves over really bad. Like this, like what they tried to do, not only, uh, it, not only will it not work, uh, you actually made yourself worse. Like what you thought was going to happen isn't going to happen, but also you made it completely worse, like irreversibly. You can't reverse it. <laughs> so when I say that politicians are dumb, they're dumb. They're dumb. But it all has to do with them. It all really has to do with them butting up against the scope of their authority. They don't have the authority but they want the authority. So they, everything that they do is to try to get more authority. Look at Macron. He's trying to become more prominent in the EU. When, if he had just left the EU and, and, and allowed his economy to grow on its own, he would far surpass the EU. See, these, what they don't know, anytime you see these problems in um, a government where you, like, you see them start spending all this money, spend, 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 right? Uh, it's going to things, to organizations that they've set up so they're, so they're okay to spend the money because the money's not actually leaving, see? So they keep more of the money, and as more of the money comes in, more they keep more of the money, and pretty soon, they're the only ones with money, and everybody else doesn't have nothing. This doesn't work. It doesn't work. But this whole time, their whole thing is where uh, they're purchasing authority is what they're doing. They're trying to, they're attempting to purchase authority. It doesn't work. All that will happen is the money will collapse. So all of that money that they're holding onto will be worthless. If you, if you take a trillion dollars and you put it in your pocket, it's not worth anything. It's only worth something if it's only worth what it can be used to provide. And if it's not providing anything, if it's just sitting there, then it's worthless. It's worthless in your pocket. But if you, if you invest, if you spend, if you, you know, if you had all of the money, there were $125 trillion. Okay. If you had $125 trillion and you put all that money into your pocket, it's worthless. Nobody eats, nobody works, nobody does anything. 
and that money is just a piece of paper. And you've accomplished nothing. She's like, well, that'll be somebody else some, some years down the road. I'll, for now, I will rip everybody off as much as I can, and I'll be just fine. Well, it collapses like, like really quick, really quick. It doesn't just keep going forever. It's not the next generation's problem. It's your problem today. That's how fast it, that's how fast the chickens come home to roost.